Welcome to the House of Trust. My name is Servan Moisan, and every week I'm sharing a moment with an inspiring leader who loves to invest in social and environmental change. And through their work, these leaders help us tell one another and the planet, you matter. Together, we take the time to think about thorny challenges and questions, but also behaviors and conditions that help you, that help us trust, bond, and collaborate fulfill our mission as impact investors and also ignite great positive impact. And my guest today is Gail Wong, all the way from Singapore. Gail is someone who used to swim with sharks, she said, as an ex-investment banker. She's also a gender lens investor. She's a certified coach and financial healer. She's an advisor for Angels of Impact and Circulate Capital. And she also focuses on restoring the feminine in finance. Good morning. Good evening, Gail. <laughs> Hello to you, Zerban. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here sharing space. That's fantastic to have you. And I'm in London, you're in Singapore, so we're battling with the time zones and the and the Wi-Fi delay, but hey, anyway, Gail, let's get started. Gail, I'll read your lines once. She said, hope is the life-giving essential every change maker must actively nurture to source their power and light. I love anything around hope. <laughs> I think this is so meaty, so juicy. But what does it mean in practice in your, in your world, in your ecosystem, Gail, that notion of hope? I wrote that, um... At the end of a pivot, you know, a pivot away from uh, what we call gender lens investing, uh, investing in women, female founders, uh, harnessing female capital. But it was pivot away from that inside of a traditional financial system. Um, mm -hmm. What I'm probably going to say might sound a little extreme, but it got very clear to me that the traditional system is extracted. And the incentives are aligned that every person in that system has to step out of their humanity. Um, and so the statement about hope uh, is really my view that we need to be bigger than the incentives and the financial trade-offs and decisions. Um, to be able to move capital in a conscious and permanent way. Uh, and that's hope in the future. Like it's, it's a bet on a, a future of hope that we will be human beings and whole and, and act like them rather than just being counters. Uh, it really does require kind of stepping into more than numbers on a page to justify a decision. Um, or to, to guide our decisions. I, I also think that any systems change maker is always battling against the status quo, right? The, the entrenched financial logic, and I've got my quote figures here for those who can't see us. Um, the financial logic is, is sort of always there as the bugbear. And sometimes it's fear-based because it's what we can see and that's what we fall to, to rationalize things. And the, and the job of a systems change maker is not just to 
advocate for a solution. Mm-hmm. You need a whole space for those who uh, might not see that solution yet, right? You hold space for their fear. You hold space for um, um, the fear of the unknown, the fear of not being taken seriously, the fear of not sounding credible. I think any change maker runs into that. And um, it's a, it can be really tiring for the change makers that I know. After a certain time of um, running up, running up to a wall, right? Um, and so the hope is in our work, and the hope is also a very important element to nurturing ourselves to go the distance and to keep uh-huh. um, playing the game, whatever it is we define for ourselves. Yeah, you. Know, I'm just hearing your words, and I wonder: is it a privilege? to be able to have hope? Hmm. I actually find the most hopeful people tend to not be in positions of privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, privilege, poverty, I guess sometimes we think of those as two ends of the spectrum. Uh-huh. Um, and the wealthiest people in hope or the wealthiest people in generosity um, tend, and of course I'm speaking from uh, limited experience, right? But I've seen people who don't have very much be very generous. Whereas those who have plenty tend to count. I think similarly, I've seen people with plenty. I mean, I live in Singapore, right? 10% of our population are millionaires. Um, and we have a safety net such that mm-hmm. a large, a very high percentage of the population is, has proper shelter. But I think the general culture is the sense of, I don't have enough. I will never have enough. How do I get more? You know, and that's a really hopeless place to be. And we do enjoy lots of privilege here. So the notion of hope will change depending on in whose hands you put this notion, maybe? Well, I guess you can ask the question, is it, what are we hopeful for? Yeah. Um, And is it a hope about our individual lives and like our children, our family, or is it a hope for humanity? Mm -hmm. Quite, Quite a spectrum. Uh, of hope, yeah. It is a spectrum, yeah. So that tell me, it it makes me, it it connects me to that notion of um, contentment and being at ease, and that's Cedric to your, to one of your skills, which is you are a financial healer. It's an unusual term, isn't it? Um, you're a fin- financial healer, but let's go for that. You're a financial healer. You look at what's behind the trauma of money, um, exploring the insidious forces within. I imagine the trauma of money can be found in everyone, right? Founders, individuals, impact, social investors, anyone. And does it um, manifest itself, Gail? And what are the consequences? Thank you for recognizing that, Sarvan, because many people think of trauma and they think war, head injury, sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right that if you've grown up in 
our modern world uh, and interact it with uh, any product of capitalism, you probably have experienced this chronic universal ongoing collective experience of trauma. And it looks very different from what you would picture other kinds of trauma. Mm -hmm. In fact, you might not see any signs of it at all. That's what I find when I work with my clients or even if I just look around and observe behaviors, uh, we are shaped by, they're just programmed into our awareness, I suppose. So I'm thinking about your question, how does it look like? And, you know, the triggers for financial trauma are really wide ranging. And, and let's remember too, like the, the new conversation today around trauma is there's no Olympics, right? There's no measurement scale and check the box. Ah, you've, you've been through a bankruptcy. You're, you're finance, you have been through financial trauma. You've been laid off or um, you've had a business separation. Um, you know, it could be as simple as predatory lending rates or walking into a bank as a woman and not getting the same access to capital, pitching mm -hmm. um, to room of investors and being seen differently, mm -hmm. uh, often less. I think that that thread of financial trauma is the experience of um, being disassociated from your own humanity. And it's there everywhere. I, I saw you quoting some, some time ago. We found ourselves in a system in which fundraising is a game that breaks people and they aren't allowed to show it. That really resonated. I mean, even tiny fundraising, I'm, you know, organized um, a pre-incubator for, for women in social enterprise years ago, and we had organized them to crowdfund, to be able to be part mm -hmm. of the program, just, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. But that triggered so many questions, so many thoughts, so many feelings. Someone, I can't do it, I can. or But also a lot of joy when people were able to just fundraise for their participation. And, and they were just transported into a new territory after that. But for some of them, I realized that uh, there was something broken and something, something painful that was emerging. And we are not even talking about, you know, raising millions or VC money. What's all your thoughts? Ooh, <laughs> that's a complex mix, right? I think that um, there's a lot of things showing up for me right now and I'm trying to separate them. Well, I, I just attended a pitch workshop yesterday and, you know, it's about split judgments. You've got 90 second elevator pitch or two minutes, like someone's making a judgment. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's work to be done around separating the outcome of such a pitch and conversation and who we know ourselves to be. Um, the value and the intrinsic value and essence. Mm -hmm. But I, I've, known enough founders, even investors have to raise capital, right? Mm -hmm. Anyone fundraising on, on any level of that uh, uh, spectrum experiences a power dynamic of being judged and of feeling small uh, or having to 
get up tomorrow and do the same thing five more times um, and, and almost be Teflon. Mm-hmm. And some people just do it. And there are others who feel the world more. Um, that's just part of their super, their gifts, and possibly kryptonite, right? Um, and I think the coping mechanism that I've seen uh, happen, and I personally have experienced that too, being an ex-banker, is compartmentalization, denial, um, which works to some degree. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we all need to reckon with that uh, at some point in our lives. Mm-hmm. So what do you think will it take to restore or to instore something different, something kind, brave and bold around money, especially as we're talking together, money for good? Mm. Well, there are working models of regenerative finance now, right? And we know that it goes far more beyond the exchange of money and term sheets Mm. uh, and structures. So it's... The introduction of relationships, I think if we acknowledge that it, there is a relationship in the equation, even if you, it's invisible to us, mm. um, that gives space for our humanity, for us to exist as people. Um, we're not just a name on a cap table, mm-hmm. or the founder is not just a name in our list of portfolio companies. Um, but relationship and the ability to show up as whole people. So a founder I invest in, it's not just someone who's gonna make me lots of money uh, or win, win the market, right? They're people who are contemplating if they're gonna have a second kid, uh, how are they gonna make it work with series, the next round of um, funding? Um, they're pe- yeah, they're whole people. And so are their employees. Yeah, I think that's something that we have been encouraged in the, in the neo-capitalist, neoliberalism world um, to ignore because it's it's not measured, it's not counted, uh, it has virtually no value on on a balance sheet, right? So that's a mindset change, and I think also now with impact investing being so common Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a phrase at least um but in the practice of it i think i think we need to recognize you can't just check the box oh i'm uh, it's a renewable energy uh, company so it's sustainable um and it's impactful but what about the you know if you're, you're putting up solar panels in a third world country well who are you hiring What's happening in the community? Are you deforesting a community? Are you depriving it of its livelihood? Like that, there has to be a holistic perspective to impact investing. That I don't know. In Europe, perhaps um, there is a there is more advanced and integrated thinking about that. But certainly where I sit, it's a buzzword, and everyone feels good there. They've invested in some climate solution. Um, but you know, from across the supply chain, what are the ripples of business, starting from how they treat their employees, what's their leadership composition like to the societies that they're impacting through their end product? 
Mm-hmm. So accounting for the natural and human collateral damages along the way. That is the definition of regenerative investing, right? To you have to take into account the harms or potential harms and, and the mitigation, as well as whatever impact uh, we're purportedly delivering. Mm. And that's interesting because when you raise the topic, some people say, oh, I'm not someone who will do harm. And when you dig deep for decide what you did, um, imagine Gail, we're going to jump into the future just for a few seconds here. Imagine we're in 2033. And I wonder what has happened recently that keeps making the headlines and that feeds you with hope. Oh, you're a master of questions, Savannah. <laughs> You're almost asking me to think something I dare not contemplate now. Um, But I would like to see a revamped financial system or perhaps an alternative one that has become um, a more mainstream challenger alternative to the existing one. That is, that is about more connected communities and we have, we have monies moving um, in circles outside of the financial system. Perhaps that's one, one sign, like this year I've joined a giving circle as an experiment of how I'm challenging my own programming um, and my own DNA. And as you said, that reckoning we each need to do which takes compassion. Um, so I think signs of softening um, mm-hmm. and practice would be would be hopeful uh, manifestations ten years out. Beautiful. So imagine that this is happening, and that we're still in twenty thirty three. And in 2033, how do you wish you had shown up or conducting, conducted yourself as a gender lens investor and financial healer during the past 10 years, regardless of outcomes? Yeah, I, I do ask myself that a lot, right? Because however it turns out, I want to be clear that I have done my best with what I have. Yeah. So I think it's having courageous conversations, um, opening spaces that are safe to have those conversations, mm-hmm. maybe holding the hands or guiding, stewarding uh, others, many others right, who are controlling capital, um, directing capital into that inquiry. It's a, it would be a really beautiful process because we're all just connecting back to our humanity in, in, in that journey. So yeah, it's not overnight work. I can't do it with an app, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that's, that's at the heart of it because I've been there. I've, I've been the one saying, move your money, right? Representation, dollars, but I think um, really moving the, hearts and minds or opening them mm. is 
the work that will be that will carry through generations. Mm. Thank you, Gail. Thank you so much for joining us in the House of Trust. Oh, my pleasure. So if you are an investor, how do you relate to this money trauma and the call to action, call for having courageous conversations, um, systems changing conversation? To what extent does this inform and or impact the work you do consciously or unconsciously? What new perspective is needed to allow for change to happen? That's it for today. I look forward to preparing the next episode of Be and Think in the House of Trust for you. I'll be sharing a thinking environment again with someone who loves to invest in social and environmental change. This new series is available to listen to anywhere you love to find your podcast. Just type in Be and Think in the House of Trust. I know that's the longest podcast title. But share the love, subscribe, and leave a review. And for more conscious innovation insights, events, and wayfinding resources, you can check my website at sylvanemoison.co.uk and subscribe to my monthly update. I would love to hear from you. See you next time in the House of Trust. Keep exploring, keep thinking. Bye-bye.